is Bloomberg Surveillance. Every time something comes along that worries the Fed, it seems like it's a minimum three-month delay. The Brexit is uh, leaving the single market. It's a 43-year marriage, and who knows what divorce looks like in that scenario. Looking at a broad range of data over a long period of time tells a story of an economy that is moving steadily forward. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, Worldwide Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning on Sirius and XM, Channel 119, across the nation, across Canada, Bloomberg 1200 Boston, 99.1 FM in Washington and Baltimore, Bloomberg 960, the Bay Area. Good early morning across the West Coast. And a particular good morning to New York City and a most gorgeous day here in New York. It is a Friday. The good news is I really needed a breather after the intensity, the true intensity that we saw on Wednesday and then into yesterday. And of course, the horrific, um, I, I use this word with, with, with great sadness, assassination of a member of parliament in England. They have shut down the Brexit remain debate. Prime Minister Cameron was to travel to Gibraltar with all of that symbolism as they vote, uh, within the EU referendum. He canceled that trip and then all other, uh, cancellations as well. Just a, a very challenging two days and it's nice today to recalibrate. Edward Shing will join, Edmund Shing will join us uh, here in a moment. He's just brilliant on dynamics. Uh, within the market, Bloomberg surveillance as always brought to you by Cone Resnick. Look ahead, gain insight, imagine more, get forward thinking advice that can help turn business possibilities into business Opportunities, find out more at ConeResnick.com. A few housekeeping notes. <clears throat> Michael McKee and I will travel for the first time in surveillance history. We will travel on the same airplane. We've never done that. When we go on the surveillance golf stream, one of us always has to stay on the ground for the usual safety considerations. We will both travel together across the Atlantic. Thank you, British Airways. Uh, to see one Francine Lacroix, and we'll enjoy <coughs> our London hospitality of our headquarters there uh, through the entire week. So Brexit on Thursday and the vote remain on Thursday, I should say, to be balanced. And then really the important day, the analysis Friday, is the United Kingdom picks up the pieces and tries to move forward, whatever the outcome uh, may be. So really looking uh, forward to that. Uh, all in all. Futures negative two, Dow futures negative seven. Edward Shing, uh, writes brilliantly at BMP Paribas on the dynamics of the market. Um, let, let me get right to the point, Edmund. You and your team basically say VIX, the stock market volatility, and you say look out below. What do you see? Well, I think, Tom, if we look at Europe, clearly what we can see, if we look at the equivalent of VIX for the European stock market, which is called the VSTOX index. Clearly, that has been on a tear and has almost doubled in level up to nearly 40. So what we're really looking at here uh, is looking at the spread between the VSTOX, which is clearly heavily impacted by all the various political events that are happening or about to happen across Europe, and on the other hand, the VIX, which should be, of course, less impacted by these by these forthcoming events. And you can see the spread in volatility between these two is really absolutely at a 12-month high. So when I say look out below, what I'm saying is that there has been a huge boost to the upside. But in fact, in fact, 
maybe in the short term things have got a little bit ahead of themselves, at least when we talk about volatility. And so there is room for downside moving forward. When we revert to the mean, whether Remain or Brexit, can you do that ex ante now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or do you by definition have to act ex post and wait for the result? Well, I think what I, I can see what clients are doing, and certainly clients and investors generally in Europe are on more in the wait and see camp than the do something now camp. Uh, I think because there is so much uncertainty around this particular event, it is clear that investors are, are, are clearly it's not because it's not even binary, Tom. I think there are a whole host of other considerations. Uh, whatever the outcome of the vote, and certainly we at BNP have no view on, on that, uh, whatever happens, there will be a whole bunch of other uncertainties, I think, that will remain or become even more relevant after next week. And I think investors are therefore thinking, well, you know, <laughs> it would be good to see the dust settle a little bit yeah. before I try to lay out my plan of attack. I mean, I, I try, folks, to keep my view out of it. I'm, and Mike and I are as guilty as anyone of sometimes imparting our view, and I'm not going to start that here. But certainly, Edmund, the polarity between people saying that gyrations are Brexit Remain-centric versus there's a lot of other stuff going on. That's an amazing polarity debate. Is there a way to play that debate to make money? Oh, but there are always ways, Tom. I mean, well, I'm listening, what, what so, so I gotta, I gotta be able to afford <laughs> cocktails. He's at got rules. his broker on the other line. Yeah, I got my, you know, come on, I gotta buy Mike drinks at rules. So help me here. How do I pay for okay, it? Okay, so, so what I would do is I would actually abstract away from this, and and I would say these are very short-term events. But longer term, one of the key elements and one of the key indicators that I've been looking at is one that perhaps is not looked at very often, which is called the Kopok curve. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's this long-term technical indicator that uses 11 months and 14 months moving averages. And let's not go into the details, but let's go straight to the conclusion. The conclusion is this indicator only typically flashes an upside buy signal once every six odd years. This month, or rather at the end of May, because it's a monthly indicator, at the end of May it's flashed exactly that buy signal, both the S&P 500 index and also for the UK FTSE 100 index, which is interesting. Remember that for the S&P 500 index, since 1945, this thing has, has gone off, let's say, 20 times, and the S&P has been higher 12 months later on subsequently on 19 of those 20 times. What's it's a pretty reliable called? indicator. What's it it's called? called the Kopok curve. C-O-P-P-O-C-K. So, again, it's a very, very long-term <laughs> monthly thing. But what it does tell you today is that there could be substantial upside ahead. And, and when I've looked at my calculations, on average, the median upside for the S&P 12 months after this thing flashes a buy signal is 24%. Okay. So it's not small beer. Mike, the same I'm, is true in Europe as yeah, well. Mike, I'm really, really, really good at this. I have never heard of ESC Copox curve from Barron's Magazine, October of 1962. This is why, Mike, we have Edmund Shing on. We always learn something. Well, you were supposed to be reading about the Kabak curve in 1962, <laughs> but you were watching the Davy Crockett TV show. No, I was so. watching the Red Sox go 18 <laughs> years in a row in fourth place. Continue. How busy are you these days? I mean, I, I, we're hearing stories that there is an enormous – suddenly – 
investors have started to take the idea of Brexit seriously, and there's been an enormous rush into derivative hedges. Well, absolutely. There has been a lot of hedging going on. Clearly, um, to some degree, there has been an acceleration, which is exactly why volatility has risen. The levels of implied volatility have risen because clearly, as the polls remain so close, investors have decided that they better put some hedges on just in case. But I think um, really what we want to do is look forward beyond that. And I think there will be a lot to be done potentially after these dates. And don't forget, there are a whole number of elections. It's not just Uh, This vote in the UK, we have Spanish elections round two. Well, of course, have US presidential elections, which people momentarily seem to have forgotten about. But, of course, November is not that far away either. So, really, there is a really charged campaign. Excuse me, Dr. Shing, Paul Ryan has not forgotten (laughs) about the presidential (laughs) election. But is is anybody putting money to work on the election yet? The U.S. election. The presidential. The U.S., not really, no, I would say. I would, I, I would say not at this moment. There's still a, a very much a wait-and-see attitude, and I think they want to see the, the, they want to see the, um, the, 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 the clouds clear in Europe before taking those types of positions. It's almost, let's take, you know, the market almost is quite binary in that sense. They can only focus on one thing at a time. One it's really crisis at a time. Yeah, so let's just focus on one crisis at a time. Let's get through the first crisis, and then let's try to figure out what our game plan should be for the next one. I think our game plan should be, you know, go away for the summer and hope it all changes <laughs> the fall when we come back. Well, it doesn't <clears throat> Let's continue with this. Ed, Edmund Shing, I, I love this, folks. And I just put out on Twitter the COPPA curve, C-O-P-P-O-C-K. Uh, and you and I have to get smarter about that. A real value to have uh, Edmund Shing on today. He will continue with us. Lots to talk about, particularly in FX and in the fixed income space. What a week again it's been. It really, the seismic change, even with yields higher by two basis points today, the U.S. 10-year, one60 percent. The German 10-year after history made earlier this week is positive, 0.004. We'll take it. Even Swiss yields uh, get a little bit of a breather uh, today. Gold takes a break. Under 1300 the ounce, down $7. 12.91 the ounce. But again, if you were <coughs> away for a week or two and you came back, Mike, what have you noticed? The Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup. Who? Let's start there. And then you got the idea of seismic changes in the markets as well. Futures and negative two. Time to check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Campaigning over whether Britain should leave the EU has been suspended for a second day today after the murder of labor lawmaker Joe Cox. She was shot dead in the town of Burstall in northern England yesterday. Cox, who was 41, was a strong supporter of Britain remaining in the EU. The Kremlin has a strong reaction to reports about an internal document in which dozens of U.S. State Department employees call for military action against Syrian President Assad's forces. It's produced a stern warning against Washington striking Assad's forces, saying it would fuel turmoil across the entire region. The second black box has been found from Egypt Air Flight 804. It crashed in the Mediterranean last month. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thanks so much. Futures negative three, down futures negative seven. If you need to get ready for the weekend, brilliance within the derivative markets. Edmund Shing with BMP Paribas with us. Stay with us.
The news update brought to you by the Golf Club at Chelsea Piers, where New York City golfers learn, practice, and play. The Golf Club features a full-hitting fairway, teaching academy, simulators, and membership options. To learn more, visit ChelseaPiers.com. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And good morning with your Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm John Tucker in the Bloomberg Newsroom. Let's say head over to the first word breaking news test now for today's morning call, and here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, John. U.S. futures are quiet today with Dow futures currently unchanged. S&P futures down two and NASDAQ futures declined by a point. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.6% and the Nikkei gained 1.1% overnight. While Europe is also trading higher, Italy climbs 2.9%. On the economic front at 8.30, housing starts. And 11 o'clock, ECB's Draghi speaks in Munich. After the Bellis Night Finisar Q1 views and Q4 results topped estimates, Oracle's revenue beat on the strength of cloud-based products and Smith & Wesson beat. In deal news, Revlon to buy Elizabeth Arden for $14 a share. And in other news, Lumber Liquidators settles with Regulator. Shares are up 12% pre-market. Finally, some of your Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. Philip Morris raised overweight over at J.P. Morgan. Philip 66 cut to equal weight. Holly Frontier cut to underweight over at Morgan Stanley. And Viacom raised to sector perform over at RBC. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. John. All right, thanks, uh, Bill. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type Squawk Go on your terminal. And that is a Bloomberg business flash. Back to uh, Michael and Tom. Uh, John, thanks so much. Bloomberg surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Invesco, don't settle for averaging your portfolio. To Invesco, the right approach means investing with high conviction. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. We thank Invesco. Uh, for their support globally, Invesco globally. We thank you very much. Edmund Shing with us, uh, with BMP Paribas. Edmund, when yields get this compressed, does your analysis change? I, I, I have trouble believing dynamics in the study of derivatives of derivatives works at a low nominal, low real yield versus where we are normally, say, with a 200 basis point, a two percentage point spread between nominal and real. Is it hard to work in this environment? Well, it is a very, very strange environment. I think the problem the problem is, you know, certainly for all those budding graduates thinking about joining the finance industry, you know, my advice to them these days is, well, you know, that economics 101 textbook you, uh, you took a course on, chuck it out the window because you certainly won't find in there anything about negative bond yields or zero-rate interest policies and quantitative easing. I mean, this is all, we are all in, yeah, we are all in a new world uh, from an economic point of view. And certainly from our point of view, it does make it somewhat more challenging to try to, to try to apply the same old models. And we, and that's why we try not to. We try to, it's, it's always very dangerous to say it's different this time. But honestly speaking, you can't really come to any other conclusion. And certainly in a world where the 10-year government bonds in Germany is yielding precisely nothing. You are lending your money to the German government for 10 years for nothing in return. Then clearly you have to think a little bit differently. If that's the case, how do you think? I mean, what, what do you do when the model doesn't work? How do you model what you want to do? 
Well, I think this is interesting. But if we look at risk and return, for instance, and we were to focus on the bond market and to say, OK, I can lend my money to the, government, to the, the German government for 10 years, it does tell me that actually you know, the, the motivations on the, of investors to invest in that sort of um, product is very different. It's, you're investing in a bond for capital gain, not for yield which, as I said, turns the established model on its head. Normally, you'd buy it for a nice, safe, boring yield, and we wouldn't think about capital gain. But now, you can only think about capital gain because there is no yield. Now, when I come to the equity market, that actually is quite attractive to me because, in a sense, equities, and even if you look at low-volatility equities, they do offer quite a substantial yield, particularly in Europe. And so if I say, well, on the one hand, the European bond market gives me nothing. On the other hand, the European equity market, even if I pick lower volatility stocks, so I don't really go, I don't touch cyclicals or financials, I just stick with boring, boring defensive stocks, I can still get a yield that is often 2 to 3% above the sovereign bond yield and also maybe even as much as 2% above the prevailing corporate bond yield because even corporate bonds have seen yield collapse as the European Central Bank has been starting to buy them. And what we are finding is that, has, you know, that is having a huge effect on yields with the average investment-grade corporate bond index yielding under 1% in Europe now. So really, you've seen a massive compression, which makes dividend yields all the more attractive. And why I personally like very boring defensive sectors, for instance, like global infrastructure, motorway stocks, electricity and transmission stocks, nothing to write home about, but they offer very generous yields compared to bonds, and their revenues and profitability are very, very predictable. What, uh, what do you do with things that aren't predictable? Just stay away from them? No, no, no. I do think there's a price for everything. And what we see in Europe is that price is rapidly becoming much, much cheaper. So, again, just coming back to that COPOC indicator, I would say that on a 12-month basis, if you have if you can take a 12-month view, then do so, and that would suggest that you should be buying equity upside across the board in Europe. And that would include uh, things, even certain banks, because even with the banking sector, which has been a sector that has underperformed quite dramatically over the last 12 months, there are, for instance, yields as high as 7 or even 8% right now from banks which really should be able to pay those dividend yields over the next 12 months. So that is an incredible yield, which is actually double the yield right. you can get from even high-yield corporate bonds in Europe today. Can institutional buy-side, conservative, boring institutional buy-side, can they hedge now, or is the cost of hedging so great it diminishes the advantages of hedging? Yeah, I, I, I think absolutely that, Tom. I think we're at a point, if we look at implied volatility levels now, that if you haven't done it, really... You can't you, do it. You are too late. Yeah, totally you, agree. You know, everyone else has already been to the trough and fed, and if you're thinking about <clears> it now, then unfortunately yeah. uh, the, risk, the risk-return profile of those hedges is looking quite unappealing. Yeah, Edmund Shing, thank you so much, BNP Paribas. Mike, I did a Facebook Live thing yesterday, and I led with the three-dimensional uh, surface of sterling. And I rarely would use this word, Mike. I've never seen it. I've never seen short-term vol skewed so much to a short, you know, a Brexit-centric outcome like Sterling. I don't know how you play that against a trade. Even the Copic indicator can't help you with that. No, it can't. But but it was uh, remarkable. That was great. Edmund Shing with BNP Paribas. That is a good way to do the 8 o'clock hour in 
Friday, on Friday. Futures negative two. Stay with us. Bloomberg surveillance. Uh, coming up, the With All Due Respect highlight brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRover, tristate.com, or call 1-800-54WD for details. Land Rover, above and beyond.